Greetings and salutations. You're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife, Harmony Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood? Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses warped your perspective? Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen? Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to This Ends at Prom. This Ends at Prom is a Pod People production. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. familial get-together surrounding genocide holiday prom party. Yay. Oh, God. This actually comes out on that day, right? Yeah, it sure does. Fuck. We have a Thursday release schedule. Happy Turkey Day. <laughs> Crap. All right. If, well, if hopefully this will be a good alternative to the family. I was just going to say, if you're listening to this episode, chances are you are uh, ignoring your family or going on a walk around the block with your cousin and you're going to come back uh, real excited to eat food. My family didn't do that. My family did that. My family had post-eating walks around the block because grandma was like, it'll help us digest. <laughs> I mean, that's probably the smarter idea. Eh. <laughs> I want to enjoy my food, not like go out into like 45 degree weather and walk with my family. You know, that's a great point, especially if you are somebody who grew up in the the upper part of the country where it snows yeah it can be real cold on thanksgiving yeah and you have a full stomach that's the last thing you want to do yeah good point all right i take back my that's a good idea comment thank you i appreciate it (laughs) bj how are you doing today i'm doing okay are you yeah okay good i know there's a little bit of hesitancy in my response um if y'all follow me on social media then you'll know that i recently lost my grandmother and uh my grandma was the bomb.com, so I'm mm-hmm. pretty upset about it. But mm-hmm. um, I think this is kind of a perfect movie to talk about um, when dealing with familial strife. Really weird how the schedule planned out like that, huh? This keeps happening to us. Just where... eerily timed up with shit that happens. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's happening. We're just fucking magic. It's like I have ESPN or something. I have a fifth sense. Okay. <laughs> You're not holding your titties enough for my taste right now. Sorry. They can't be up higher. Otherwise, they'll knock the microphone off okay. from our new setup. So gotcha. they have to stay down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but friends, this week we are talking about a little indie movie that could, as I would like to call it, mm-hmm. Bomb. Harmony, what did you know about Bomb going into this episode? Uh... Back when we used to do once a month queer events at the bar back in Cleveland, we put this on, I guess it would have been 2019. Yeah, so this it would have been like right after it was available for public consumption. Yeah, so we watched that on like the big screen because it was festive and gay and mm-hmm. I, I, I don't even know if people were paying attention. <laughs> I don't know either. I mean, I was because I I used to vet a lot of the movies before suggesting them. And I was like, this is perfect. It's a Thanksgiving movie and there's lesbians. Yeah. So So sometimes I would just 
you know, I think that Assassination Nation is fine. And then a bunch of people come in right during the home invasion scene and they're concerned and upset. So, <laughs> you know, uh, or like bad we, timing. Or Tangerine was a great idea on Christmas and then some people were uncomfortable. Yeah. So, so I don't know. We, we have different levels of what we're cool with in any case. That's very true. If you want to hear more on that, you can listen to it on the Patreon. <laughs> it's our episode available for $1 because speaking of that, we have a Patreon. Oh, that is fucking smooth. <laughs> Thank you. I did so good this week about it. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Patreon.com backslash this ends at prom. We have mini-sodes where Harney makes much teen boy movies. We have playlists, commentary tracks, and a, you know, just regular bonus episode episode shooting the shit about a topic and this month's topic was about censorship trigger warnings content warnings and things that go along with all those fancy words so if you want to hear that you can help us over on patreon if you're currently not in a place financially where you can support on patreon we totally understand all we ask is share the show with a friend or if you're feeling extra nice you could leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts it genuinely truly does help all of you who have been doing that we read all of them and i cry about it and you're great and we love you so thank you yeah and speaking of boy movie things i definitely did buy Yu-Gi-Oh! the movie the soundtrack and it came in the mail like two hours ago yeah yeah you sure did oh my god i can't wait to like listen to pop and butt rock with very <laughs> literal interpretations of games and magic and friendship because it fucking rules anyway my experience with Lesbom, uh, I, I this felt like deja vu, rewatching it for the episode mm -hmm. because I would occasionally look at the screen while I was working mm -hmm. and was just getting bits and pieces of the movie. It's it's this it's this trajectory of any time I put something on at the bar like earlier in the night because as it would go on, I would get busier and then I lose sense of what is happening in the movie a lot more easily right so like the first 30 minutes i'm usually like okay i got this and then i'll check back again in like 40 minutes and go wait what <laughs> what what is happening <laughs> so yes things escalate they change locations it was it was very different <laughs> so for those who have never seen or heard of lesbom uh here's kind of my blanket pitch to you if you are somebody like us who was absolutely exhausted by the discourse surrounding the lesbian rom-com Happiest Season. Oh, I muted it. It's probably still muted. Yeah. This movie is the movie that you likely wanted Happiest Season to be. And I mean that with no disrespect for Happiest Season. I actually like it, but we're not going to go down that discourse rabbit hole. Allegedly, I would. Y you would. Um, but I know you're not going to watch it out of principle, and that's... That just, is understandable. I just got too annoyed with everyone's opinions, regardless of what they were. Exactly. Um, but no, Lesbom is a rom-com. It's about a lesbian going home to her family in Jersey and coming out, and things happen. So I'm going to give you the full synopsis from IMDb. Obviously, Fandango didn't have one because they hate indie movies. So IMDb has to say, a still-closeted young woman brings her girlfriend home for Thanksgiving only to have her coming-out efforts thwarted by the unexpected arrival of her male roommate. Uh, so this film was written, directed, and stars Jenna Lorenzo, um, and it's based on a really cool short film, Girl Night Stand, and she was able to turn it into a feature, which is a very hard thing to do, and she deserves all of the kudos for being able to pull that off. Mm -hmm. Especially one that has, like, 
one of the Fairley brothers as a producer and has this amazing cast with Cloris Leachman and Bruce Dern and fucking Steve Gutenberg. And and not Paul Giamatti, Kevin Pollack. Yes, not Paul Giamatti, Kevin Pollack, and Elaine Hendricks, National I, Treasure. I know, like just one of your personal loves. <laughs> yes, one of my personal loves, Elaine Hendricks. Um, yeah, there's a an absolutely dying. There's an absolutely dynamic cast going on here. and um, People who are really big in the 90s. <laughs> you know what, though? That's that's kind of what this show is about, is things that were big in the 90s. Only like 30% of the time. Yeah, we do try probably, to... Probably a bit more. We do try to mix it up, but yeah, the films that we talk about that were released in the mid to late 90s and the early 2000s are the ones that perform well, and we get it. I understand. There, there was just a, a, quite the utopia of them at that point. Exactly, and nostalgia is one hell of a drug, so we get it. Mm-hmm. But Les Bomb is a movie that I really wanted to talk about because, one, there are really not a lot of Thanksgiving movies, just in the grand scheme of cinema. No, not really. No, especially compared to, like, Halloween and Christmas. Well, it's because this is the one that gets stuck in the middle. Right, it's the one that gets stuck in the middle, and... We, if, like, we like to push it under the rug because, uh, oh, that whole genocide thing. Yeah, because, uh. the, you know, that's not a great look. But also, Thanksgiving doesn't have the reputation of, like, forced communal cheer the way that Christmas does. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, it's just, like, you're stuck around your family. A lot of times, it's the first time that you've seen your family, likely since the last holiday season. Or Easter. Or Easter, that's, but that's I, usually was the big three for my family. Yeah, but Easter's not nearly as big as like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, your family was re- less religious than mine. Very good point. Well, Thanksgiving's a holiday people celebrate regardless of religion, the same okay, way that fine. Christmas is a holiday people celebrate regardless of religion. Okay, fine. Atheists like Santa Claus, so <laughs> do they? Or are they neutral? Is that, how, is that how atheism works? Where there was a, just neutral on Santa? There was a great TikTok I saw the other day that was like, when I say Merry Christmas, I need you to know that it's in the ho, ho, ho way and not the a baby died for my sins way. Like, that shit makes me laugh. I like that a Jesus lot. Jesus faked his own death for our sins. <laughs> so, so th- you know, Thanksgiving is kind of a conflict holiday, if I'm going to be real. Uh, I feel like historically... Uh, you don't have the distraction of like, but it's Christmas to help you get through your familial problems. So people don't really make a lot of movies about Thanksgiving because it's kind of universally a miserable time for a lot of people. You don't have the burden of of moral optimism. Y- yes. Where it's like, you have to feed the homeless. You it's have to. Goodwill towards all men. Yeah, that shit doesn't exist for Thanksgiving. No. It's like football and let's pretend that we don't know the real history of this holiday. Yeah. And it's usually like right after elections. Like Thanksgiving is a terrible holiday and everyone doesn't want to be there. And Black Friday's the next day, which is just preparing for Christmas anyway. So yeah, it's a... Thanksgiving is the worst holiday of the year, in my opinion. Well, there's a reason that the night before Thanksgiving is the biggest drinking night of the year. Oh, yeah. It's Blackout Wednesday. Yeah. Because nobody wants to deal with their fucking family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Yeah, we've both worked a Blackout Wednesdays. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's my grandparents. So we're playing straight today. They're not listening to me. Maybe they'll listen to you. Why don't you give it a try? Go tell them. What? You go tell my parents. <laughs> no. Okay. I just met them. I am not coming out for you. 
So I really wanted to talk about this movie just because it's festive, but also because it is a lesbian rom-com, which we do not have like any of. We have two now. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, uh, this is a coming out movie and our podcast is a coming of age podcast and coming of age does not mean specifically high school. We come of age many times in our lives. And for queer people, sometimes that happens at a later time than most people because we don't know what's going on with us or we're still figuring it out or we don't feel safe enough to, what have you. Um, But coming out and coming of age are two very similar experiences. And this movie handles that. So I think it's interesting that while these characters are not teenagers by any stretch of the imagination. I think they're like college-ish age. I think either like late college or just graduated college. Like they can legally drink. We know that much. Sure. Um, so they're at least 21. But they're, the, the main character is coming out. And that is a coming of age experience. And that is worth talking about. Yeah. And similarly to... Uh... To Just Friends, which we did on the podcast last year for Christmas. My favorite Christmas rom-com? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not really fair. It's kind of like the best movie ever made. It's, but... a, per- it's a perfect film. And yes, that does include Ryan Reynolds' terrible fat suit. Oh, my God, I love him so much. But we talked extensively in that episode about going home to your families for the holidays is like the most time machine, regressive, horrible feeling. Because mm-hmm. you're like you're with your parents in your hometown around maybe your childhood belongings. And you're like, Oh God, it feels like I'm 12 again. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. even if your parents treat you that way, and it's just such a, what, what's the garden variety term of emasculating? What's the gender neutral (laughs) version version of that? It's like that (laughs) age regressive. It's not nearly condescending enough. No, it doesn't. But you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. It's very much, uh, Uh, My brain went to demeaning and I was like, no, that's not it either. But it's such a very odd, specific thing. And part of me is glad that my parents picked up and moved before we would have gone home for like any sort of family holiday. Because sending you pictures of the fact that my childhood bedroom still had posters of Amy Lee on it well into my mid-20s because I never got around to taking them down is one thing. Seeing it with your eyes, like, in my room, I think I would have just died of embarrassment. Yeah, I think it would have been great, though. (laughs) I mean, you saw my childhood bedroom. It was seven by nine. Yeah, I don't know how you fit in there. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for those uh, who don't know, Harmony is a 6'3". Yep. So a seven by nine bedroom don't work. Yeah, it was was a box. (laughs) It's fine. Yeah, so this movie does deal with that as well. And, you know, those are all fun and exciting things to talk about. Uh, Since this movie came out in 2018, we're not going to do our typical cultural rewind because it was only a couple years ago. And while things have definitely changed, uh, not a lot really has. And Mm -hmm. a lot of us haven't been outside a lot for the last two years. Everything has changed in two years. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. Um, Well, I guess it's three since the movie came out, but regardless. um, Something we haven't talked about on the show that this movie tackles is uh, coming out. And Harmony, I'm curious... What was it like when you came out? Which time? 
Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, <laughs> give me, give me the whole kit and caboodle. Give me all of them. Um, my parents got a divorce when I was in like eighth, ninth grade. Mm-hmm. So that meant that like I just my dad did not get a lot of these these banner moments because he was just not necessary because I didn't live with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't see each other that often because anytime I hung out with him, it was just like, hey, I'm gonna take you to the bar that I hang out with. And you can sit there and look at that that game on the bar top where you just shoot balls in a spiral. I'm not going to give you change to play it. <laughs> I'll buy you like a seven up every once in a while. And then I'll, I'll drag my friends over every time a new person comes in the door and goes, this is my boy. Look how tall he is. I made this. Ah! And then we go back to drinking and ignoring me. So um, I'm so sorry, but I'm just picturing like every Midwest dad being like, look at how tall my boy is. It came from my balls. Yeah. Like that was that was the first thing that followed every single who let you in here or here comes trouble. Like anytime anybody (laughs) walked in the door. Um, So when we weren't doing such Midwest dad shit. Yeah. And when we weren't doing that, we were sitting silently in his living room watching reruns of stuff on TNT like Con Air and The Rock. Great. And Face Off. Hey, we watched Face Off earlier. Face Off still fucks. Face Off still still fuck, but when you watch it on TV with commercials, that's like three plus hours of Face Off. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's a lot of Face Off. That's a lot of John Travolta. Yeah, it is. Not enough Nicolas Cage, though. You can always have more. It's never enough. So, uh, yeah, my dad didn't get a lot of these banner moments until I came out um, as as trans, because he didn't didn't get any of the sexuality stuff. He didn't. He didn't get any of like the the speed bumps on the way to the stop sign of trans. Yeah, he didn't get any of the like, hey, I'm gonna wear obscenely loud stuff in high school. Um, because like, hey, let's wear rainbow suspenders. Not that bad. Mm-hmm. For, like fur coats, uh, feather boas. Well, if Hulk Hogan could do it. <laughs> I and he's very macho. Then it's not that weird. I tell myself, um, <laughs> like. Pink tutus, uh, random women's vests that I got at the thrift store, just any sort of loud object that I want, because then it'll put me at like an, a, a 15 out of 10, mm-hmm. which means when I go where I want to be, it'll seem weird, but not as weird as that shit, <laughs> which was a brilliant metric for coming out gender-wise in the, like, the late 2000s. You know, I understand where the mindset is here, like... It's like that that old expression of like you can never go too big because it's way easier to like pull somebody back than it is to push them forward. Yeah. <laughs> All See, right, I get it. I, when you have no ideas, any idea seems like a good idea. Right. <laughs> so my dad didn't get any of that. He also didn't get like the brief interlude of like, hey, I'm not turned off by the idea of sucking dicks. I've never done it. Can't say you don't like it if you don't give it a try. <laughs> Never had it, so maybe that's an option. <laughs> and then I was pursued by very aggressively by the three gay men in our school, and they were all terrible because they were all the uh, the gay best friend, like catty kind of gay. And also, you're not a gay man, so there's well, that too. In high school, before I came out as trans, that's yeah, what they point. thought. Fair point. I was just like, I don't know. I'm an open opportunity. Mm-hmm. So. My my mom got all of that. My dad got none of it. And how did how did she feel about it? Um, it didn't become real till the trans part, uh-huh. in which I just kind of came into her room while she was watching TV and was like, "Hey, anyway, um, I think I want to be a woman." Bye. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, I'm listening to you tell this story, and part of me 
is like, that's not how that happened. But in my heart of hearts, I'm like, no, that's exactly how that happened. I know you that too is, well. That is precisely how That is exactly what like, you did. Like verbatim, that is what I did. <laughs> um, and mind you, this was after like living out of my car for a while, driving around the country, doing a lot of soul searching. Well, like everyone during the pandemic's been like, man, it's really rough being alone with your own thoughts. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I lived in my car for a bit. I was only alone with my thoughts and no internet access, I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you figured this out without the internet. <laughs> it, I, I had true life. You didn't have the TikTok algorithm to tell you you were trans. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I had an episode of True Life and went, oh, they're explaining everything that I feel. Weird. I'm sure, that means nothing. And then I took off in my car like a week later because that just was timing. <laughs> oh. That, that's a thing that just will worm its way into your brain and just kind of be there for a while. <laughs> so, yes, I told my mom. And at first she was like, oh, uh, okay. And then she had like 24 hours to think about it. And then it wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And she sucked and was like, I wanted grandkids. And I was like, well, you know, my, my brother's pretty irresponsible. Give him, give him some time and I'm sure you'll get some on accident. Hey, and, and now she has three. Then three miracles came along without being planned. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that that's the quick version of my mom. My dad, I told him, and he was like, I believe that we're born the way that we're supposed to be. And then I never saw him again, except at my brother's funeral where he ran from me yeah. <laughs> and avoided eye contact. I mean, as he said, look how tall! <laughs> I'd be intimidated, too, if I pissed you off. I was wearing heels that day. I was giant. So that, yeah, you were definitely scary tall then. Hell yeah. <laughs> you could whoop that old man's ass. Yeah. Especially after he got in that motorcycle accident and split his head open on the highway. Yeah. That, that was... And then he had to get life flighted out, and he only... There were some nurses driving behind him when he decided not to wear his helmet, and that's the only reason he made it. And that's when I found out that my dad had been lying to his, to my grandparents on that side, saying I was an asshole who was ignoring him, and then ignored all the trans stuff. <sighs> Midwest men doing Midwest men shit. Yeah, so like... My coming out is 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 quite a minefield of stumbles and hurdles and bear traps of things that I think are honestly really funny, but this is probably really upsetting for people to listen to. So let's just call it a day there. How about you? <laughs> All right. So, I, I mean, the first time I came out, I was five because I was in love with a girl in, in kindergarten and uh, my parents found out about it and they didn't give a shit. They were like, okay, cool. Uh, her parents absolutely gave a shit. And, like, I, I also need to clarify that we were five. So, like, we're just kids that were like, we like each other so much that we're in love. Like, we don't know what gay or straight or sex or any of that is. We're just five. Um, and then that was just sort of my life. And mm-hmm. then I did whatever I felt like. And my parents were very much like, okay, dear. And just <laughs> let me do what I wanted and didn't give a shit about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, bi- the big coming out was when you and I started dating. Because um, at this point, my parents, I think, were very like ambivalent to how I identified and what I did. They just very much were like, she does her own thing. We support her. We love her. We don't really care. Um, but when you and I met was when I was with the guy. And I was calling them to let them know that, like, not only was that relationship done and ending, and it was a relationship I'd been in for a very long time, um, but my mom pretty much called it immediately and was like, oh, yeah, you're with that Harmony girl, aren't you? Because I had gone home a couple months previously, 
to kind of like test the waters a bit um, and let her know. So then when I had like the big call to be like, yeah, like this is very serious and I am uprooting my entire life and throwing all of my eggs into this woman's basket. Uh, this is what's worry, happening. Baby, I'll catch you in my basket. <laughs> but okay, no, I distinctly remember a moment like two weeks into us talking uh-huh. where um, you were like, yeah, so I had a conversation with my mom. Um, apparently she had to like talk to her lesbian friend because it's like, how do I deal with a gay breakup? Because I'm, I'm preparing for either absolute heartbreak or a wedding. Yep. That's exactly what she did because my mom likes to prepare and it's very, very sweet. Shout out to Gina. You're the best and I'm so glad my mom has you as her lesbian friend because you're amazing. Um, but yeah, my uh, my parents were very much like, okay. <laughs> like they really didn't give a shit. Well, the one you were worried about was your dad. I was... Like, we're we're going to take him to his favorite bar, uh-huh. get him a little drunk and then tell him while he's watching the Cubs. Pretty much. Uh, because my dad is a very progressive dude, but he's still a Midwest Italian old school dad. Mm-hmm. And the thing I tell people all the time is that in my predicament, and predicament makes it sound like you're a problem. You're not a problem. I am such a problem. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm like math. <laughs> but I feel like I um, I frequently have to come out twice because I say things like my wife or that I'm a lesbian or whatever, and people are like, cool, love that. Um, but then when it comes to also, by the way, my wife is transgender, that gets complicated because um, the unfortunate reality is a lot of people are only cool with the first half of me coming out. Tell me about it. Y- you know better than anyone. <laughs> you know. Um, so navigating those waters can be tough where I was like, I know my dad doesn't give a shit about, you know, me being with women. I was like, I... I'm not super sure how he's going to feel about me being with a trans woman, not because I, I doubt him, but because it's you're never... Like your mom and you assume the worst. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm like my mom and I do assume the worst, but also I was like, I don't know what his like real exposure or experience is with trans women. He definitely knew trans men. Like he knew that for sure. Mm-hmm. I was like, but I don't, I don't know because again... People tend to also be way cooler with trans men than they are with trans women for Mm -hmm. the litany of reasons that we don't have time to get into. Um, But I told my dad, and he also didn't care. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, what's been... Ron's the best. Ron is the best. And what's been nice is that, you know, I've had conversations with him moving forward or I've been like, hey, what do you do or what do you say when your friends find out, because I know they got to find out. Mm-hmm. And he's very much like, if they have an issue with it, then like they're not part of our lives anymore. And mm-hmm. he just lets them out. Um, I mean, or the best example was when I, I called him and told him that I'd proposed to you and that we were going to get married and that you wanted to take my last name. And I, I was like, well, it's your last name, dad. And he was very much like, what, why do you got to even ask me? It's She's family now. Like, wh- why would I care? And is very my dad about it. And then he was like, but, you know, I do got a question. So when you get married, is she your wife? And I got, because again, assume the worst. I got so mad at him. And I was like, what? Of course she's my wife. And he was just like, I didn't mean she'd be like your husband or anything. I just didn't know if there was a new term that like the community came up with or something. And I'm just like, oh, that's very sweet and very Italian. Midwest dad of you. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, my that that's mine. I mean, I do have more interesting aspects of it, but this is not a coming out podcast. No. Um. So that's really There's a whole podcast for coming <laughs> yeah, out. There's a whole podcast coming out with Lauren and Nicole. Um. Yeah. So that story is for for a different day, but those uh th- those were our coming out experiences. And I do have to ask, just on mic, so it's on the record. Uh-huh. BJ, does your love for this movie happen to have anything to do with this being remarkably similar to your family in many ways? Oh, 1,000%. Okay. Just just there, really wanted to set that for everybody. <laughs> there are so many characters in this movie that remind me so much of my own family that it's kind of sickening. Yeah. <laughs> and it is definitely why I love this movie so much. It, it is genuinely good writing. Uh, this movie is a comedy of errors in the purest sense of the word. Yes. And uh, I had to ask you earlier today, how do you define a comedy of errors? Right. So it's a comedy of errors very much like Shakespeare. And the way that I was trying to describe it is that the difference between a movie like this, which is a comedy of errors, and a movie like Clue, which is like a farce, but also a comedy of errors, mm-hmm. is the level of camp. A comedy of errors tends to be a little bit more grounded, whereas like a farce is at an 11. Absurd. Yes. (laughs) Um, So this is a comedy of errors. So I I did read some reviews and some people were talking about how like, oh, they thought it was overwritten or they thought that like the characters were too big. And I'm like, y'all need to have more interesting families then. I mean, I had to ask you, I'm like, is this what most people's families are like for the holidays? Because my family is just, it's it's like Cameron's family from Ferris Bueller's (laughs) where it's like, um, it's it's very cold, and no one no one's allowed to touch anything, and no one talks. <laughs> like that's what the holidays are like in my family. <laughs> There's no baby. You just killed it. There's never a baby, mom. There's never a baby. Get the turkey. Wait, 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 wait. So that's why I had to like clarify with you, is this how other people's families kind of are more like at the holidays? Because this seems to be the stereotype of other people's families. This is what we call relatable and (laughs) I can't. Yeah, we did go to one Thanksgiving at your house and... I'm really glad that you got to experience one. It was like being at a Thanksgiving in a library. Like, no one was talking. No one was touching anything. Everyone just kind of ate their food in silence and stared at each other. Yeah, that was. I had to ask you the stereotype of being like, yo, is that stereotype of like uh, the older cousins and you go out before the meal and you come back high? And like, is that an actual thing? You go, oh, yeah, that's a thing. I'm like, my family doesn't do that. We don't even drink at the holidays, which, which is, is good. I have mixed feelings about like, but I also I mean, come from a family of drinkers, but not like a family of alcohol. I don't come from a family of alcoholics. Correct. I come from a family of drinkers and there is a difference. Yes. I think that the reason my grandma does not want alcohol at the family is because we have bad drinkers in my family. Yeah. Like yeah. messy, angry, sloppy drinkers. And this is a good way for Thanksgiving to turn into Festivus. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yikes. <laughs> so... Let's, let's dive into Lesbom, because we've spent like a half hour talking about nothing. Um, I mean... It's the, it's the holidays. Yeah. All you true. do is talk about nothing at the holidays. <laughs> that's a great point. So let's talk about our lead character. Let's talk about Lauren, who, again, is played by the writer and the director. So this is clearly like, this is her baby. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Lauren? I understand that for some people, coming out is much harder than others. Mm-hmm. 
you and I are not people who clearly struggled with that. Correct. Um, so I believe like 100% like this, this is, this is how it is for probably a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But the main thing that I like about Lauren in that she struggles throughout the entire movie to come out and like, I, I do empathize with everything she's got going on because she has a lot on her plate. Her family's a lot. They talk over each other constantly. Nobody listens to each other. No, not even remotely. They make a lot of um rash assumptions. So that's kind of where a lot of the errors come in in this comedy mm-hmm. of errors. But I my favorite thing about her is when she has her blow up at the end, mm-hmm. basically saying like, hey, maybe I didn't want to be gay. Yeah. And then that justifies all of these things about her character. And she said the quiet part out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm i really glad that you brought that Just up. diving right into the end of the movie at That's the start totally of the fun. discussion. <laughs> but I think that it's important, though, because it does dictate her actions throughout the entire movie. It makes so much more it sense. It makes so much more sense. Because Lauren struggles the entire movie to come out to her family. And mm-hmm. part of it is, yes, that they're not communicating well that they're talking over each other that they do the thing that my parents do where they make the assumption and then run with it and mm-hmm. when you try to correct them they're like no no i already know you don't got to tell me i already know and yeah. it's like but you don't know the right thing <laughs> yeah um but it makes sense that the other reason that she's not putting her foot down and being like hey this is who i am is because she didn't want to be gay and i think that that is something that younger queer people may struggle with because they are entering their queerness in a world that is a lot more forgiving. Don't get me wrong. It's still hard as hell. Like, please do not twist my words around or assume bad faith on this. But if they enter on like TikTok, which is where a lot of them are figuring it out, Mm -hmm. they have this built-in community and this built-in like safe bubble where they can interact with each other. That didn't exist for so many of us. It was a lot lonelier, right? We also didn't grow up knowing that that was even an option. Eh. And there's a thing that gets brought up a lot whenever people call being gay a lifestyle or a choice or whatever, which is, why would anyone choose to make their life harder? Right. And that's kind of the point that Lauren is making, is that she doesn't not want to be gay because she thinks it's gross or bad or blah, blah, blah. Like, none of those reasons are why she doesn't want to be gay. She doesn't want to be gay because it's harder. Is that juice worth the squeeze? Exactly. And you know what? It's it's not yet for a lot of people. And she's... She had to get pushed to a point where the juice was finally worth the squeeze. Mostly out of just frustration with her family. She finally got to that point and made right. that jump. She just finally snapped yes. at that point. Um, but I, I love that about this character because that's a huge part of queerness that I feel like we're not allowed to talk about because so many people do weaponize our identities against us. So we do have this sort of like model minority thing that goes on where people have to be like, we're the happiest that we've ever been. And we, like, especially when it came to marriage equality, there were so many headlines that were like, this couple has been together for 60 years and they can't get married. But Britney Spears can get married for 52 hours. Mm-hmm. Like any of that bullshit over and over and over again. Us versus them. Yes, it, it was very much an us versus them mentality. But it set up this unrealistic standard where queer people were not allowed to have difficulties with their identities like you had to come out be loud and proud and if you weren't then you weren't doing it right Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of pressure for somebody i i 
I struggle with the concept of pride because I'm not necessarily proud for something I didn't choose. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, I don't know. I, I I don't hate being trans. I honestly don't even struggle with my internal stuff very much at all. It's the external things that are hard. Mm-hmm. Like I have no dysphoria with my body. I'm quite I'm quite cool with myself in virtually every facet. I I don't I don't need facial feminization surgery or top surgery or any of the other things. I don't need that. Like maybe I could get it, but it's not necessary for me. Mm-hmm. But I understand that if I did get things, it might make my life easier from an external sense. Right. This is not for my internal struggle. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm the I'm the right kind of of trans person. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. unless you are that like um. What what's that Twilight Zone episode we watched for Halloween? Uh, the number twelve looks just like you. Right there is there's one brand of slightly variant trans people that all the people like to like to get behind, mm-hmm. and they are pretty and white and young and don't look trans. Right. Those are the people we like. Those are the people who get easier lives. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. It is stupid. It's so fucking stupid. Yeah. So, yeah, like, why would I choose this? Like, like that's such, a, it's such an asinine thought. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And I like that this movie is willing to kind of go there with queerness, where it's like, yeah, this shit is hard, and it's, it's frustrating, and it's scary. And we don't get the space to express that a lot, because the second we do, then someone whose name on Twitter is like Mary for America Patriot Prayer 758 will reply and be like, see, look, all gay people hate themselves and it'll get retweeted 10 million times by a bunch of alt-right bots. Oh, yeah. I've, I learned a long time ago that you're not allowed to criticize the trans community as a trans person because then you get co-opted and they try to turn you into their own personal Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. I am not having that. Yeah. So... God damn it if you don't have to choose your words carefully when you're just lashing out at how much some people suck. Yeah, it's it's a huge problem. And this movie goes there. And that moment, more than I think anything else in this movie, proves that this is a movie about queerness written by a queer person. Mm-hmm. Because that is that like innate inner issue that so many of us don't ever talk about. And it sure as hell doesn't get talked about in movies written by straight people because <laughs> no. they no it, like that's not a thing that they're going to talk about. No, no it's not. Yeah. Um so we we do have, you know, Lauren and Lauren has her girlfriend Haley. Her, her love interest. Her love interest Haley. Uh how do you feel about Haley? I think Haley is dealing with a lot of bullshit she did not sign up for for only 6 months of a relationship. See, okay, we had kind of like a sticking point when we were talking about this because they've only been together for six months. Which is apparently an eternity in in lesbian years, of course, which we did not follow that convention at all with our relationship. No, we did not. We waited a whole year before we moved in. That must be a lesbian record somewhere. Well, it's because only half of us are lesbians. (laughs) Yeah, I know a lesbian when I see one. Hi, Haley. Hey. What are you doing? What are you guys doing? Okay, Okay, bye. Impeccable gator, that one. Spot on. I'm glad there's so many love connections happening. And my whole family will know about this one. We'll be laughing about this someday. Sure. It's nice to have a moment away from my family. Have you 
was really excited to meet them today. I know. They're gonna love you. I'm sorry I didn't go as planned. doesn't feel good not to be worth talking about. So the two of them are, you know, we know they're over 21. Mm-hmm. They've been together for a while. They're bringing the family home for the holidays. It's a big deal. You know, like you said earlier, this is the relationship where there's kind of no going back. Like Lauren has to come out because this is this is a serious relationship. This is not some like temporary fling. This is this could be something and she yeah. needs to tell her family. Yeah. Haley is so patient, but the thing I love about this movie is that even Haley gets to a point where she's like, yeah, no, this is bullshit. Like, you care. Like, she has a line where she says, you're so worried about everyone else's feelings that, like, you're not caring about mine. Like, I'm paraphrasing. She she was done halfway through this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, she was done, like, probably by the time that the kitchen caught on fire. Yeah. And she had every right to be done. Yeah, like she tried to leave multiple times because she's like, "This, this is not fair to me. You, you, you fucked up. You should have yeah. done this sooner. You're not doing it now. Now I'm just your, I'm just your friend, and everyone thinks you're dating your other friend, and your brother won't stop hitting on me and trying to make meat jokes. Yeah. So like, <laughs> god damn it. Yeah, because the the big oh shit conflict that happens is that Lauren lives with a guy named Austin Mm -hmm. and Austin who we do find out later has a crush on Lauren and hasn't like respected the validity of of her and Haley's relationship because Mm -hmm. he also assumed that this was not serious Yeah, let me just slide into your family's dms for the holidays pretty much um but you know like yeah like a good roommate he did something like a nice gesture for the family of his roommate sent a turkey and because he had kind of a standing invite he showed up Mm -hmm. and the family assumes that the big news that lauren has is that she and her roommate have started dating Mm -hmm. and that is the big issue is her trying to be like not only are we not dating but i'm also a lesbian and this girl is who i'm dating um, so that's, you know, that's the big conflict, mm-hmm. but, but Haley is putting up with a lot. Yeah. And when she finally is like, nope, like I'm, I'm going to go for it. So before Lauren has her blow up, uh, Haley kisses Lauren's brother in front of her, obviously not like as like, oh, I'm actually interested in your brother, but as kind of like a, maybe this will wake you up because this has been going on all day and I'm fucking tired of it. Mm-hmm. And it does because Lauren immediately attacks her brother mm-hmm. um, and then announces to the family what's really going on. And it took that. It kind of took like the throw water in your face, like slap you across the face moment of like snap out of it, like get it together. A, a full blown family fight. Yes. Yeah. Which includes Cloris Leachman in a wheelchair throwing a turkey at a, like, shitty... A a weed cartel? A weed cartel out of a van, like a van life van. Um, Yeah, it's it's quite a a fun family romp that includes a lot of fighting. (laughs) There's a lot of these moments that happen in this film where the family's just bickering, and I'm sitting there like... You know, I think this is supposed to be like, haha, relatable, but because this is just a bit too grounded, I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, there's a couple of moments in this movie that are uncomfortable, and I don't think it's the fault of the movie. Uh, for example. Oh, oh, Dad and Austin? Yeah. Oh. So Kevin Pollock's character, like, he is such a New Jersey dad. Mm-hmm. Like, he just is. But because he now is under the assumption that 
this roommate is dating his daughter, he does like the Robert De Niro meet the parents thing and mm-hmm. like grills him. He drives him out to like an abandoned section of a lake and he's like, no one will find you. Yeah. So which here, which in, is, is kind of like a, oh, hey, dad's got the shotgun when the prom date shows up kind of stereotype. Yeah, but Austin's black. Yeah. And that reads really goddamn different, especially now. Like, yeah. the, as soon as Austin is not a white person, this gets uncomfortable. Yeah, it gets real scary uh, real, real fast. Like, in the, the, and I don't blame the writing for that. Like, the writing knows exactly what's up. Yeah, for sure. It's just, like, dad doesn't realize the optics. He's just treating this like how he would treat every man. It's a very, uh, I don't see colors when it comes to my daughter kind of thing. Y- yeah, like, yeah. Like, what do you mean? Oh, all colors kind of kind of attitude. Yeah, that's very much what's happening here, which I do, like, I do think is smart writing. Yeah. But watching it is like, oh my god, but that is authentic. Yeah. Like, that is the obliviousness of of white dads Mm -hmm. like that really is a thing um so like that stuff is really uncomfortable there's also a moment where uh like the young cousin who's like the over horny teenager who we Mm -hmm. found out is the actress who plays ruby lane on uh fear street which was a fun little thing yeah um but she is she'd be popping up twice this year in our episodes but here we are (laughs) um but she tries to like seduce austin and he's very much like you're a teenager that is not going to happen. Yep. You are way too young. And she like attacks him with a kiss and the dad sees it. So then there's a group of like white dads chasing this black man around a motel in New Jersey. And you're like, oh my God, I hate how this looks. I hate how this looks. This was a very different vision in 2018. Like, don't get me wrong, still a bad look. But now it is like neon sign bad look. Uh, Yeah. And then also you have Bruce Dern throwing a rosary at lesbians going you need to get your shit together and what's so funny too is like we later learn that the reason that bruce stern carries around the rosary is because one of the kids um the dad from you're next which i love mm-hmm. um has just beaten cancer and he said that if he beat cancer he would carry his rosary every day which is such a grandpa thing. which is such a grandpa thing to do and the reason he's throwing the rosary is not because ooh gays are bad He's throwing the rosary because he's under the impression that his granddaughter is dating her roommate and then sleeping with this girl on the side because he sees them kiss at one point. You brought the side dish to dinner. You brought the side dish with the main dish. And as Cloris Leachman says, you never bring the side dish with the main dish. Yes. Um, So, like... Visually, it looks like scary old grandpa throwing rosaries at the gays, but in reality, it's him saying, get your shit together, don't bring your messy open relationship with us, which is like such a progressive and cool thing for a grandpa, but again, like optics are a thing. Both the grandparents are really good about that, honestly. Honestly, uh, really the whole family is good with that. Right. It's just there's the threat that they might not be. Um but the, again, this is written really well in that it knows what the optics are yes. and plays with those expectations. Correct. It's definitely leaning into those assumptions that you that they expect the audience to make what? about this family. Like the blinking red light of just being like, ah, yes. tension. Yes. It's doing that very, very well, which I think is a testament to Jenna's writing. I think she she did a great job with this. Yes. Um. The other character that I really wanted to talk about because I love her so much is her mom, played by Deirdre O'Connell, in in such a lovely role. She reminds me so much of my own mom, mm-hmm. of just so stressed out on yes. the holidays, 
but trying to do everything she can to keep it together and is so happy to see her family and loves them for all of their their issues, but isn't afraid to call people out when they're getting out of pocket, like Uncle Steve Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that about her, but I think the mom character is just so endearing because you, the thing with family dynamics and the review of this movie from Autostraddle, because this movie has not been reviewed a lot, again, because it's an indie and it's a shame because I think that this movie is infinitely better than Happiest Season. Not that I want to pit strong women against each other, but it just it just is a better movie. Um, but Heather Hogan at Autostraddle said, I love movies that get their hands dirty talking about how weird everyone's family is and how sometimes it only becomes apparent to you when you first bring a person home to meet them for the first time. All families have so many different group dynamics going on inside them. And introducing a new person to the mix is always a loaded experience. And the other side of that coin, which is how the one-on-one alchemy you share with your partner comes under a special kind of pressure when you're with your families, especially when your partnership defies tradition. Yeah. And I love that discussing of like the group dynamics that exist between your family. Because like my mother and I have a very specific dynamic. My father and I have a very specific dynamic. When you get all of us together and then include, like, my sister, all of those dynamics change immediately. Like, the hierarchies change. Oh, it's fascinating being on, like, a multi-faced Zoom call and just watching you all. Mm -hmm. Like, your sister demands – she needs attention. Like, pay attention to me so badly. And then your mom will just be, like, fighting (laughs) with other people in the background and your dad will just be, like, a little in the bag. Yeah, usually. (laughs) It's it's quite an experience. Just be like, I'm – like half of me is on the screen right now and I'm just observing this family mm-hmm. dynamic. Yeah. It and it changes depending on who who is around. Mm-hmm. And then it also depends on like which extended members of our family are around. Like obviously we all act completely different when when grandma's around. Mm-hmm. We also act completely different when like we're in public versus mm-hmm. when we're at home. Like all of those dynamics change. So then when you're introducing a new person to that, like that changes all of your dynamics. Everyone has to recalculate. You've, you've introduced a new organism into this ecosystem? Yes. Yes, exactly. It's like bringing cane toads to Australia. <laughs> I mean, kind of, yeah. Um, and and that's that's such a weird thing to do. Have you Have you ever brought anyone to a family function? Or was I the first one? Uh, yeah, you were the first one. Okay. I, I did, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast. I've dated a lot of people, but most of them I get bored with. Mm -hmm. So they never made it that far. I'm (laughs) unlike these people. uh, I don't believe that six months is long enough to be bringing people home for the holidays. Okay. That's fair. That, that's my opinion because I'm like, this might go belly up and I really don't want to have to deal with the conversation at Christmas going like, where's... Leanne, where's fucking Jill, whatever their name would have been. I don't know. Are you just making up names I'm, right now? I'm trying to pull names out of my out of the thin air, and I'm just picking really <laughs> white, like middle-aged woman names <laughs> for some reason. But I just don't want to deal with that at Christmas because you came there for Thanksgiving. Gotcha. Um, well, but, I feel honored, but I also think that that's a testament to you knowing who you are and like the fact that yeah, you're kind of aloof and things yeah. <laughs> people bore you quite quite easily. So I think that that's a testament to you knowing like no 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 this isn't enough for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas like for the other two like you know this is a big deal for them and as we find out at the end of the movie that 
Lauren is in love with Haley. Like this, this is the, 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 they're saying I love you's for the first time. Yeah. Um, so it is a, it is a big deal for them. So like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But I want to think about how like the dynamics between our family work because, um, because of our unique situations, Mm -hmm. like even though I've never brought anybody home for the holidays at any point, um, which I distinctly remember, I have a cousin who, um, has been in a relationship with a woman for, oh, I don't know, like 10 years. It's been a long time. Don't they like own a house? Maybe. Yeah, they own a house now. Yeah, I, I yeah, don't. Yeah, so like they are very much a serious relationship. Yes, like, but I distinctly remember the first year that she brought her girlfriend around and that was just a thing and like no one, no one really addressed it in a way and I'm driving home with my mom and I'm like, oh, that was interesting, right? And it's like, what do you mean? And I was like, you know, someone getting brought to the thing. It's like, oh, you mean her friend? Oh my God. It was one of those situations. <laughs> Even though like, and <laughs> I want to say that like, if for some reason, hey, Janet, if you're listening to this, I love you and Jen. I know I don't talk to the rest of the family very much, but like your chunk is the part that I like. Anyway, <laughs> um, Jen is really gay looking. Yeah. Extremely. And my mom's like, oh, you mean her friend? Yeah. <laughs> so my family's very dense and it's a unique situation. Mm-hmm. But even though you were the first person I brought home for the holidays... There was still this element of nothing had changed as far as who I would have brought home. Like, the expectation would have been the same. That's true. Versus if I had been brought home for your holidays, which, you know, eventually we visited your parents and that was sort of like getting coming home for the holidays because we made a long trip to then stay at their house for a bit. Mm -hmm. That's different than what Mm -hmm. had been there for you. So we have a very unique situation with that and how mm-hmm. it like affects our ecosystem. Because you didn't affect my ecosystem. <laughs> it was just as much of a fucking barren wasteland of life as it was with or without you. I mean, and the only thing that really changed about my ecosystem when I brought you around is that it just makes my dad be more on than usual. Oh, yes, because he's, he's, he's hot dogging. Because he's got a hot dog. Yeah. And like... And my family are the the type of people that take in anybody. So here's what Thanksgiving was like at my my family's house before they retired and before my sister and I moved away. Yeah. So my mom would start cooking all fucking day. And we would eat usually around like 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It was not Thanksgiving dinner. It was Thanksgiving late lunch. But it was like a full feast. Like it was it – was, the the whole the whole spread, mm-hmm. um, not a religious thing at all. Uh, my mom would bust out the the good dishes that she got from her grandmother when she passed. Um, my aunt would be there every year, regardless. My grandpa would would show up, and we would you know call the family that didn't live close and wish everybody a happy Turkey Day. Mm-hmm. We would eat. And then everybody would go to their respective areas in the house. Like a lot of the kids would go into the living room. My mom ran a daycare. There's tons of toys. So they had toys to play with, watch cartoons. Everybody else would go into the screen porch. There would be football on in the background. But it's people talking and conversing and being loud and laughing. And what would happen is other people would trickle in for the entire evening. Whenever people were done with their own families, everybody sort of came over to our place to decompress and be somewhere that was fun and inviting. And my mom would clean up the kitchen and people would offer to help. And she would say, no, thanks. I got it. And then you'd, everyone would walk away with their hands up because she didn't want anyone to help her. Mm-hmm. But by the end of like Thanksgiving night, by the end of football, we would have probably like 20 people in our house. And maybe only seven of them were there for dinner. The rest just came because that's where you go 
after Thanksgiving when you want to have a good time. See, I love that. And like, I can verify your family, your family's fun. Yeah, they're fun. I uh, I really liked the Zoom call we had with your mom last Christmas where everyone was already kind of drunk and she forgot she was on a Zoom call with us because everyone was going around doing scratch offs and seeing if they won money. Yeah. So we were just around for that. Yeah. She forgot that we were there. Yeah. She just like kind of put the phone down and did scratch offs. So it's like, okay, <laughs> like, I, guess, okay. I guess we're just here now. Sure. <laughs> so like, no, I, I love your family. Your family is the best version of the anxiety of this film. Yeah. Yeah, this this film is filled with a lot more anxiety, and it does come down to a lack of communication. Yeah. And I'm very blessed that I have a family that does communicate rather well. Mm-hmm. Um, there are obviously hiccups along the way. Every family, no family is perfect. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we do communicate. Everybody knows everything that's going on in each other's lives, which keeps everybody kind of on the same page, which is, is a huge help in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because in this movie... The per- first person who f- genuinely figures out what's happening is Elaine Hendricks. Mm-hmm. And the thing I love the most about it... That, that's not true. Grandma and Grandpa figure it out because they're making out. Grandma and Grandpa figure it out, but they think that it's like... They get the a, wrong idea They think it's like a right... thruple or something. Like, they don't realize that, like, no, this is the only relationship that exists. They're right for the wrong reasons? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Whereas Elaine Hendricks figures out, she's like, no, no, you're not dating Austin. You and Haley are together. Mm-hmm. And... What I love so much about it is that there is this very, like, pure familial moment where Lauren responds and she's like, thank you for being so cool about this. And Elaine Hendricks is like, oh, I got to get my daughter in here and you've got to tell her. And she's like, no, I have to tell my mom first. She's like, no, no, no. I meant, like, me being cool Mm -hmm. because she's at that age where her teenage daughter doesn't think she's cool anymore. And, like, it's just such a cute moment that I think so many moms go through when they're kids hit teenage dumb mm-hmm. where they're like my kid doesn't think i'm cool anymore yeah and they get a well, little I mean, sad not. about it yeah and that's the thing you're not anymore you're you're a parent you're you're not mm-hmm. cool anymore i'm sorry mm-hmm. yeah. i think i i'll think you're cool but i'm also not cool <laughs> yeah it's i think it's a very sweet moment and uh i think that like there like there are so many little moments like that mm-hmm. that to me i'm like this is such a relatable family like Steve Gutenberg being like kind of the shitty uncle who's dealing weed on the side. Does this feel like an uncle you have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, real piece of shit he is. But uh, there's a moment where mom is confronting him about something and she's doing her best where she's doing the thing where she talks through her teeth. Mm-hmm. When like, it's the same kind of thing that moms do when they're in supermarkets and their kids are wiling out when they're like, no, get over here right now. We gotta go do this. And like, they're trying to keep it as like chill as possible, but pointed so you know you're in trouble. Yes. And that's how she's talking to him. And I'm like, yes. oh, I love this. Like, this is, this is, this is family. Mm-hmm. Wait, all right, all right. You're gonna pull a sword on me. Your brother owes us money. And take my well, brother. You can't let him too. No, you are not joining our cartel. You are fighting. You, you are fighting. Well, you can't fire me. Okay, you are cut off. Oh, come on. Sure, I'll kill him. Seriously? You Absolutely. gotta make this go away. You gotta make it go away, I'm my guy. to come out of the goddamn closet here, people. Jesus. That, or you have like the moment of like grandma talking about olive oil. Oh yeah. <laughs> like there's there's many weird things that happen yeah. <laughs> in this movie with just everybody has a little bit of a moment to just be like that's sweet and strange uh-huh the only character that no lies i do like the character i love the brother character oh god he's he's such a piece <laughs> he's he is um a, a, such a loser that mommy insists is special yes 
Yes. Yes. And there's a lot of uh, like little throwaway moments he has that I, I don't know if it's Jenna's writing or if this actor improv them. But the one that I like the most is he's being so aggressive in hitting on Haley. Mm-hmm. And Haley is doing her best to deal with it the best that she can. And Lauren steps in and is fighting with her brother, sibling rivalry, which, you know, it's very much like what we talk about in our Just Friends Patreon episode, where the second you get home, you're 15 again, and you fight like you're 15 again. So the two of them are arguing, but the brother has a thing where he's like, I'm going to walk away, and I'm going to count to 10 and calm down, because you know I have to do that, and when I get back, you better change your attitude. Like, Mm -hmm. And it is so pure and hilarious to me, because you're like, oh yeah, this is... Something that has happened time and time again. I, they have a process for this. <laughs> I really like it when they're at dinner and they're just like throwing barbs back at each other. And it's just like, well, I think your sweater's really ugly. It's like, well, well, mom bought me this sweater and I think she has lovely taste. <laughs> <laughs> that one, like those moments are really good. I love when she uh, she's trying to explain to her brother that she's with Haley and he t- is thinking she's only saying that so that he'll stop hitting on her friend. Well, you like, made out with my friends. Exactly. And she was like, no, <laughs> like is getting so emotional about it. And on his way out, he's like, well, your room smells like farts and you should do something about that. And I'm like, that is such like, it doesn't matter how old you are. That is how you communicate with your siblings is just is immature it? bullshit. Is that how you communicate with siblings? That's how I communicate with my sibling. That is not how I communicate with mine. We didn't talk. Yeah, that's very true. I think the moral of the story here is BJ's family talks a lot. Harmony's family doesn't talk at all. Yeah, we just inhabited a domicile together. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing. It's nervous laughter. It's I, I, I wonder how much people appreciate me talking about my family, which at this point, I think I think I've... Cra- I think I've crafted a way of talking about how much they suck and make it funny, but I'm I might be a little a little blue for some people's taste. Yeah, <laughs> a little, I think they're a little cloudy. I think there are definitely some people who are like, "Oh, I'm so sad about this," but like, I need you all to understand, harmony is fine. Yes, this is not like some. I, this is not my defense thing. mechanism. Where I'm like, I'm actually secretly uncomfortable and I'm masking it on camera with with humor. No, like, <laughs> uh, legitimately doesn't give a shit. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. This movie just, it makes me feel good because, yes, it does remind me a lot of my family. That mm-hmm. is that is very true. Um, but I think that this movie is really relatable even if you've never come out or even if you don't have a family quite like this because it is playing with some universal experiences in, like, not being heard or mm-hmm. or or being scared of your family in in some way, shape, or form, which I think is a very natural inclination that a lot of people have. Yeah. And obviously a wide range of, of reasons. Um, but it, it makes the film really enjoyable to me f- because of that. Yeah. But if I may. You may. De- derail anything we were thinking about right now mm-hmm. to say that every single thing that happens in this movie could have been avoided if Austin, mm-hmm. someone who lives with Lauren, had maybe been like, hey, I'm going too. Let's travel together. Or, hey, I'm showing up. Yeah. All of this could have been avoided if that had happened. Yeah. And like, he so did her dirty by just dropping that on her. 
And like yeah. she's mad at him and totally fucking justified about it. Oh yeah, she's it. very justified. And he doesn't think he did anything wrong. He's like, I sent a turkey and they gave me an invite. And it's like, yeah, true. You but could have disclosed that sooner. Y- you also knew what this day that meant too. for her. So yes. like, there, bro. There were many options and you made the bad one. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I think... I don't know. I I don't know if I've ever been in a situation where somebody has just kind of sprung like that. Um, because I have. It, because oh, tell me about it. Um, the only person that I was dating seriously before you. Uh oh. Um, it was our one year anniversary, and we were having sex, and my room roommate who had just moved out like a week prior and had not returned my key yet, who they were on. I was on much better terms with them than they were with me. Mm-hmm. I was not a fan, but they didn't know that. Mm-hmm. They emailed me in the morning going, hey, I'm going to be in town. Um, mind if I swing by? And I emailed back and was like, hey, um, actually, I have plans and I'm going to have someone over because it's you know my anniversary, so that's actually not going to work. Mm-hmm. And then... Mid-sex, we hear the door open, and she called out being like, hey, it's me, sounding super excited, to which I have then to have to be like, and you're off me? (laughs) And I'm throwing clothes on, and I'm about to have this conversation and be very mad about it. And I said, hey, apparently you didn't get my email. And she goes, oh, no, I sent that email this morning and then just didn't have access to the internet for the rest of the day. And like, oh, so you just assumed that I would say yes. Oh, my God. So you, you asked and then didn't care what the response was. That is the worst. This is also somebody who, um, on a bike trip with two with a European married couple that they were in a uh, polyamorous relationship with, borrowed multiple sex toys of mine, including nipple clamps and lube and something involving the lube. And had sex on my living room floor and then told me about it in the morning after I walked through them to pee in the middle of the night. I feel like borrowing somebody's sex toys is like borrowing somebody's toothbrush. Like, I thought it would be fine. No, that's this, not fine. This is somebody who, unless you explicitly tell them don't do something, everything is on the table. That's awful. That's a bad friend. And that's why we're not friends. So yes, um, I've had people spring stuff on me before. <laughs> that like, I, I'm I've so had, sorry. I've had roommates do terrible things before that got in the way of my relationship. I feel like I've had such a charmed life because all of my roommates. <laughs> Mine's only semi-charmed. Yeah, because my, uh, my, my roommate, first off, great joke. Thank Second you. off, uh, my roommates have all been great. In particularly, like, my roommate Kyle. I don't know if he listens to this, but Kyle, I love you so very much and I miss you terribly. Um, Kyle and I had, like, a whole setup for whenever we had people coming over. If uh, if I was allowed to know who this person was because, you know, college, gay dating, people are on the DL. Mm-hmm. So there was, like, a whole system of, like, whether or not I could be, like, in our shared living space or if I needed to, like peace out for five minutes so he could like bring this boy through and i wouldn't see him mm. like there's there, there like we communicated with each other and even if it was going to be like a hey i'm so sorry i wasn't planning but like this is happening like we communicated with each other isn't communication nice it's something that i've not had a lot of in my life 
I have like secondhand stress just thinking about your life and how little people communicate because I know your family doesn't communicate. Clearly your roommates have not communicated. No wonder you love me so much. All I fucking do is communicate. Right? I just get along with you and your family that talks too much. It's great. (laughs) Well, you fit right in because you talk a lot too. Uh, yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> We're in a talking medium right now. It'd be real weird if I didn't, where we just sat here and went, mm-hmm. I, yes, absolutely. I hate, like, all, like it's been, <laughs> t- like, less than three seconds, and I'm already like, Ugh, I hate it. <laughs> I also interlaced my fingers and put them on the table for anyone who's curious. I couldn't see that, because my pop guard is in my face. <laughs> yes, so there, there's the visual for everyone in, in, in our proper prim way of discussing <laughs> those three seconds. Yeah. So, yeah, no, um, I'm not mad at Austin. He just could have done things a little better. But everything is his fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of is. I mean, he, he really is just like the spark that caused a wildfire. But he's still the one who had a spark. He is the gender reveal party that caused the wildfire. And this is burning down. This And Thanksgiving is a fire that burns down half of California? I mean, it burned down their kitchen. Yeah, see, there you go. Well, that was that was Steve Gutenberg's fault. Yeah, Steve Gutenberg's fault for, you know, doing the weeds. Doing the weeds? Doing the weeds. Go around the block, I've, amateur. Yeah, right? I mean... Th- Fucking other family members decide to smoke weed outside, like mm-hmm. normal goddamn adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's weird. That, it's it shouldn't be that weird, but it's just thinking about how these people are just like, oh my god, like oh, oh, you gotta be really hush hush about the weed, like, and keeping it really on the like the DL. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't know. This is 2018. Like weed's really common. I don't. Well, I don't know reason... if it was. I don't know if it was legal in New Jersey, but it's like, hey, we're parents, and it's the holidays, and we don't want our kid to know. So like, and I, that's and that's where it comes from. I, is like, you don't want your kid to know because then your kid's gonna want to do it, and then also like it turns into that justification thing of like, well, you did it, so I'm allowed to do it. It's just it. It strikes me like I totally understand that, but it just strikes me as people being like, I remember being young and smoking weed, and this is how you did it. You walked up to a person and said, I'd like to buy one joint, please. And then you <laughs> like smoked it in the back of the building and then hoped the cops didn't roll by. <laughs> like That's what this interaction feels like with these parents. A little bit, but it is very cute. It is. <laughs> Honestly, I like them as a couple. Like They get really high and they're really into that spinach dip. Oh my gosh. And like that's such a relatable thing too because one of my aunts who I also love because again, I love my family so very much. Um, every year she would bring like the fanciest appetizer. Like somebody would be like, this is green bean casserole. And hers would be like elevated, like some fucking food network stuff every single year. Um, there was always also somebody who would bring like the canned cranberry sauce, which I'm a fan of cause I'm garbage. I don't like that. I also don't like the, the is that the one that comes in the puck? Yes. Where it just, it, it comes out can shaped and yes. you slice it into pucks. Yes. Big, not a fan. I love it so much. Uh-uh. I love it so much. Um, but she would also bring like the, like the handmade cranberry sauce, like the Ooh. fancy good stuff. And it was, uh, don't get me wrong, good, amazing. I love them both for very different reasons. Um, but she was the one who brought like the good dip. So when I see Elaine Hendricks, like who has worked so hard on this spinach dip and no one is appreciating it. I'm like, girl, I see you. I understand. I would have eaten the shit out of her spinach dip. I remember, was it, I can't remember if I made it for your family. Did I make the the cranberry crumble for your family? No. 
You made that for something. I don't think it was my family because you made meatballs for my family. Oh, that's right. I did. I mean, and then my family was like, why'd you bring meatballs to Thanksgiving? And (laughs) I was being fucking ingrates. And I was like, um, because that's what my family did. I wanted to bring you like my family's tradition. And everyone stared at me like I was an asshole. And I'm like, all right, fuck me for bringing you free food. I will take it home with me. Yeah, they, they did not really touch very many of those meatballs. Nope. And I took it home with me and I had a great time. Yeah, like. Because it's my fucking grandma's recipe. Yeah. Rest her soul. Yeah, that had the cooking sherry. Yeah, cooking sherry. <sighs> so good. I, I liked the meatballs. They were great. Thank my family you. does not like change. They don't even season their food. No, no, they don't. No They're salt, no white. pepper. Nothing. You get you get butter in these mashed potatoes and nothing else. You're adding your own. <laughs> Everything is unseasoned. There's also a grandma. Great... Grandma makes delicious gravy, but goddamn it, if it's the wateriest gravy. <laughs> There's also a great like running gag through this movie with the turkeys because Austin has sent kind of like a pre cooked smoked the, the turkey. smoked turkey. Yeah. Ah, uh, grandma loves it. Grandma loves it. And mom is working so hard making like a traditional turkey, but there's also a big kind of elephant in the room in that this is the first Thanksgiving without grandpa, without the mom's dad. Yeah. And he's the one who used to always carve the turkey. He's the one who always cooked it. So now there's this great deal of pressure on mom of like wanting to be able to like make the turkey. Mm -hmm. And... I am absolutely getting caught up in my feelings right now because I'm thinking about how... This this is going to be another episode where BJ cries? Probably. That's fine. Um, Where, like, Thanksgiving is next week and my grandmother... Pa- like, literally, she passed yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like, like so... Like, we're probably not going to do an episode next week, just so you all know. Yeah, just so you know, we're, like, the, the first week of December is not going to have an episode because I'm in mourning still yeah like you're you're in a surprisingly good state right now thanks you're welcome you're holding it together very well I, i'm really trying and i feel like maybe in the next three sentences i might break but we'll find out it's it's cool. um but thanksgiving is next is next week or you know it's today if you're listening to the episode and it's the first holiday without my grandmother mm-hmm. and there are like staples in all of our households that come from her recipes and like am i going to track down the ingredients to make meatballs probably because I'm going to want them. Am I going to cry when I eat them? Yes. Mm-hmm. Am I going to cry thinking about it? Yes. Uh, like, I don't know how my family... Because a lot of my family is in, is in Florida now, which is where my grandma was living. And I don't know how they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I looked up flights to see if I could go there. And, like, it's just way too expensive oh, right yeah. now flying for the holidays yeah flying for the holidays is already expensive but also you know it's last minute like yeah, it's just it's it's too, it's too much i can't swing it especially because i just flew back to ohio and that was a really expensive trip too mm-hmm. so like i can't i can't do it and i keep thinking about like them celebrating the holiday and like she's not there but like her stuff is there and, like, that's the thing that they do with this movie where, like, the reason that they're so mad at Steve Gutenberg for smoking weed is because he's doing it in, like, Grandpa's bathroom, mm-hmm. you know? Because, like, he was clearly, you you can tell from the subtext, like, he lived with the family before mm-hmm. he passed. And, you know, that adds an extra layer to a lot of things because when somebody lives there and then they're not there, like, that, their physical presence, like, is, like, it's, it's palpable. You can feel that they're not there. Mm-hmm. And, like, I keep thinking of my family, and I'm like, I don't know how they're going to do it. Like, that is, it's so hard. And it also puts me in, like, this very weird place where we we talk a lot about how we have such different family dynamics. 
And I have these moments sometimes where, like, I genuinely feel like I shouldn't be in mourning or I shouldn't be grieving or I shouldn't be sad because I should be grateful that I have a good family and a loving family and a supportive and affirming family because the older I get, the more I recognize that that is not the case for a majority of the people in my life. A majority of my friends' parents are divorced. A majority of my friends had to like cut off half their family in the last two years because they are racist or like just shitty. And I'm over here like, I have the best family and I shouldn't be this sad because people have it worse. It's like one of those like constant like debates that that I have internally where it, I don't know, it almost feels like an extension of survivor's guilt almost in like a really weird fucked up way. Maybe that's just why I'm so like predisposed to it all. Um, but it's this thing where like, I, I look at this movie as well and you can see that like for all of their faults, Lauren comes from a family that loves her. And when she finally does come out to her family and they like it's not that they don't care but it's it's this moment where it's like we didn't know that we needed to be accepting of this and like they are and they're fine with it they were like but we didn't know like you didn't tell me you you know what you didn't communicate that with me and you can tell that like they they love her and she was so scared of losing that love And that's a very real thing. Like, I know so many people who, like, come out to their families and their families don't like them or they're not cool with it. And they're like, fine, fuck it. Cutting you off. And, like, it's real easy because they already had, like, a fucked up relationship to begin with. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what I would have done if my family had not accepted me. Like, like I'm genuinely unsure of what I would have done. I think there's part of me that would have been like, fuck them, cut them off, live your life. But I think I would have struggled with it really, really hard mm-hmm. because I do have a good relationship with them. I'm going to reach my, I'm narrating this for everyone else. I'm going to reach my <laughs> hand out. Give me your hand. Yes, you okay, can have it. Here we go. <laughs> Thanks. Does the context make you feel better, especially since I'm comically narrating it? A little bit. Okay, good. It's more funny because I can't see half of your face because of the pop filters. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> you can't see that I'm smiling, see? Oh, no, I can see it. It's okay, a very nice th- smile. There thank you go. You. Thank you. <laughs> you don't need to be tragedy sparring with other people because you happen to have a good family. I know. For what it's worth, I met Grandma Betty once, and she is one of the most badass ladies I've ever met. Yeah. Because we hung out for like an hour and a half in her condo, mm-hmm. and she was like, oh, good. I'm glad you're all here because everyone gets mad at me and doesn't let me talk about politics. So, man, fuck Trump and these racists, right? <laughs> And full disclosure, it's not that they don't want to talk politics with her because they don't agree with her. They don't talk politics with her because she gets really out of pocket really fast. She gets she gets heated. Uh-huh. Um like and is completely right. Yeah. <laughs> so like yeah, we just shat <laughs> we just shot the shit about like the status of the world. It was great. And she she was wonderful. I mean, and I will I will share this with the podcast just because I think it's beautiful, but just just to kind of show what like wonderful people I come from. I got to say goodbye to my grandma via FaceTime 
and uh, she was, you know, in hospice. And the last thing we talked about was was Harmony. And she demanded to see her. Oh, yeah. I was in the other room because you're like, I'm just going to go be a mess in the office. Uh-huh. And um, she just started talking to me about how proud she was of me. And how happy she was that I had found you. And she kept going on about how beautiful you are. And she was like, go get her. Is she home? Go get her. I want to see her. And so, like, I said Mm. goodbye to my grandma, like, with you. And, like, (laughs) it was just really, it was just a really beautiful memory that I'm going to carry with me for the rest of my life is knowing that the very last thing that, like, my grandmother wanted to talk to me about was how proud she was of me. Mm-hmm. For being gay and having a hot wife, like thanks, Grandma Betty. Like that I shit try. rules. Like that's so cool. And didn't didn't she also say that you're the one that's most like her? Yes, <laughs> she did. She she said that I'm the one that's most like her, and that's true. I get you know I get a lot. From my dad, for sure. I am my father's daughter, but I get a lot from her. Mm-hmm. And, like, my mom was even joking that the the first time I ever stole something, I was shopping with my grandma. I was a baby. And I stole something with my grandma. So we've been partners in crime since, you know, day one. <laughs> um, but I thought about that a lot when we were... Be gay, do crimes. Be gay, do crimes. Um, I thought about that a lot when we were watching this movie, and... I feel like Rose, like I feel like the mom, I feel like that is the conversation that she will have with Lauren at the end of her life, Mm -hmm. is that she will remember this Thanksgiving and how it was the Thanksgiving that she, you know, had just lost her father, but her daughter was, you know, able to to be vulnerable and be honest and, and to bring her into that very intimate and scary part of her life and... I think that it's like really, I think that it's really beautiful, especially Mm -hmm. because it came out of a situation that is so messy. (laughs) But I was actually about to say like at the end of the day and it's like, no, it's not the end of the day. It's the next morning. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter that like dad dropped the turkey on on the ground outside. It doesn't matter. And then ma- tried to wash it with soap. Oh my god, it's ruined. It's so funny. I mean, like le- the, the skin comes off in like a sheet. Oh, Ugh. no, no, no. <laughs> no, bad news. Don't eat that. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that her brother lit the house on fire. It doesn't matter that they had to spend Thanksgiving in like their, their kind of crappy, their, their fair motel. Their fair motel. Their fair motel. And it doesn't matter that she's having a bonding moment with her daughter first thing in the morning over the worst coffee they've ever had. And I love that moment so much, too. It just feels so nice that they're having this, like, bonding moment where mom is giving such great advice where it's like, she doesn't hate you. She's hurt, and she's allowed to be hurt, but, like, you can you can fix it. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they're cutting through this, like, beautiful moment with, like, this is the worst coffee I've ever had in my life. Because you know that it is, like, that burnt Bunsen burner, mm-hmm. like, 3 a.m. shitty diner that still lets you smoke inside, like, gross coffee. It's that kind coffee. of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So none of that matters. 
because they're finally listening to each other and everything is fine. Mm-hmm. Everything is fair. Everything is fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if it was just because of the everything going on in my life, but upon this, this is now my third time watching this movie. Mm-hmm. There were just so many things about it that I love that I think were completely unappreciated by the critics who didn't get it. Um, you know, I saw so many, so many reviews of people talking about how it was, it was too much. I'm like, that's not too much. I think it's the point that it's a lot. And also like, no one says that about like Christmas vacation. Like no one says that about. That one's cartoony. So is this. Because families are cartoony. Families are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And this is a ridiculous family. And I love their dynamic and I love who they are and I love watching them interact and I love the different, you know, concessions that you make with having to deal with some family and how you try to pull them forward and some that are going to move and some that are going to not and how you process those situations. I think it's a very realistic movie and I do agree with the people who make the the comment that this is this is what Happiest Season wanted to be. Um, because it's also a movie about coming out where no one has to go back in the closet. At no point does anyone go back in the closet. It's just a matter of like somebody who hasn't come out yet and who is desperately trying to be heard. And I, I, I love that. I think that it's, I think that it's a very important queer coming out movie. And I think way more people need to see it. Mm-hmm. And I also think that just in general, take away any of like the queerness or any of that impact. This is a really good movie about family. Mm-hmm. So harmony. Yes. The time has come. Okay. Les Bomb is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, or a maybe? And are you writing anything on the card back? It is a yes. Mm-hmm. I probably won't go to prom because I think we're going to have plans for the holidays. <laughs> and I, I'd like to think that I could fit in well with this family. Mm-hmm. But that's because... I got to be like the ballsiest point in the room. <laughs> and so I think I can hang. Yeah. But I think that this movie taps into the kind of um, everything falling apart but remaining together relatability of something like A Christmas Story does. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yes, this this feels like a family dynamic that I believe. Mm-hmm. This isn't like, you know, Christmas Vacation where it's like, oh, no, this, this is silly to watch. This is kind of like goofy and fun remember when dad kidnapped someone one christmas ha 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 how fun right like that's way more out there and i think that's why like it's a more enjoyable watch Uh versus something like a christmas story or or this Mm -hmm. which is a more um more heartfelt watch Mm -hmm. more more nostalgic Mm -hmm. watch but not not as much because they're a bit older in this one but i think it carries that same energy yeah yeah, I I agree with that. And I think that it's just a really nice, it's a nice holiday movie. Mm-hmm. It I like movies that feel nice. Like, it's definitely chaotic, but it's nice. It feels nice in the way that, like, Charlie Brown feels nice. Yeah. Or or Planes, Trains, and Automobiles feels nice. Honestly, yeah. Like, yeah, because it's chaos, but it also feels nice. Well, it's, with that movie, it's the slow moments that I like the most. Like, don't get me wrong. Love John Candy. It's my favorite John Candy movie. Mm-hmm. But my favorite moment in that movie is when you have Steve Martin on the train and he's just sitting there and he's daydreaming and he's thinking about coming home and having dinner with his family. Mm-hmm. That's the moment. 
Mm-hmm. That's the moment that says, oh, that's right. This is a Thanksgiving movie. Mm-hmm. But Lesbom has that throughout. Yeah. Because it doesn't let you forget that it's a Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. Agreed. <sighs> well, friends, I think that takes us out on Lesbom. And we thank you, as always, for listening. Again, you can support the show on Patreon, patreon.com backslash this ends at prom. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram. We're way more active on Twitter because I am an old and not very good at Instagram at this ends at prom. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BJ Colangelo. Harmony, where are you? I am also on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. We want to thank the Sonderbombs for letting us use title as their theme song. They're just the greatest and we love them. Uh, Harmony, what cool indie band do you want people to check out for this holiday season? Well, before I plug that, I just want to say that like I'm glad that this is a uh, like a chill kind of episode about talking about family for the holidays, you know? I yeah. think I think that's what you needed and then hopefully people who are maybe listening to us either on their way to their family or to, you know, a, a, a recharge <laughs> from their family. Hopefully this is what they need too. Yeah. So, you know, whether you're listening to this on Thanksgiving or not, hope you had the best time possible. But my indie artist that I'm going to shout out this time is uh, I'm, I'm giving a plug to an EP by Mel Stone, who is somebody that I see a little bit on, on Twitter here and there. The EP is called Princess Part One. I specifically chose it because it's got sort of a, a folksy heartland kind of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this whole soundtrack, which we were just like, man, every one of these songs sounds like the Lumineers. Uh, it's because they are the Lumineers. Because every single song is the <laughs> Lumineers. <laughs> yeah, I looked up on uh, the Jenna did in an AMA where she was talking about, that's an ask me anything on Reddit. Sorry, I should not say things and assume people know what the fuck they mean. Um, but she didn't ask me anything and people were asking about that. And I guess she went to high school with some of like one of the band members and the Lumineers and, you know, said, if I ever make a movie and put your music in it, and mm-hmm. he just happens to be a Lumineer, yeah. um, which I think is great. I also think that's great and makes it so much better. <laughs> yeah, agreed. So this is a little more like Bruce Springsteen or, 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 or Titus Andronicus than that, but it's an album that is about, uh, it, it's kind of a breakup album. It's a, it's a difficult love album about being with someone who's not okay with being queer. It covers a lot of different themes um i'm i'm a big fan mm-hmm. i think my favorite track on it is broken brain but it's also an ep so there's only like five songs so i could say hey here's my top five that's like the title of my autobiography yeah <laughs> <laughs> broken brain yeah oh well you were listening to the car and you were like did they, was that lyric like i'm just a broken brain at the end of the world and i went yeah and you go i like that i like that a lot i like it <laughs> so yes that's that's my recommendation uh i think it fits the theming of this movie perfectly and it's also like really queer so i love it yeah well happy turkey day friends i hope that someone seasoned the mac and cheese and uh we didn't have mac and cheese in my family growing up i know right it would have been very bland mac and cheese oh god yeah if you're i'll make us mac and cheese we have spooky mac and cheese noodles still yeah we do (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so have a have a have a day 
and to our whatever day you listen to whatever this whatever day you listen to this and to our international listeners uh happy thursday yeah um but I we hope you enjoyed our more discombobulated but you know fun <laughs> episode i i enjoyed our talk here i think it was good for bj especially yeah sometimes you just gotta cry and as the sonoroms have told us many many times crying is cool crying is cool we will see you all in two weeks um, bye. Goodbye. Oh, yeah. Save the last dance for us. I remembered our plug. Okay, bye. Yay, bye. <laughs>